If you are joining us online, welcome to New Life Church, Abu Dhabi. We are grateful that you could be with us. Welcome to all of our members who have joined in uh, virtually to sing God's Word together, to pray God's Word together, and to hear God's Word together. Uh, We're thankful for the opportunity to be able to do this. And Happy New Year to everybody. Um, I wish circumstances were different, that we could be together today. I'm welcoming you personally and uh, wishing everybody personally. Uh, But we do miss you all, and we love you, and we hope that we can get together very soon. With this new year upon us, it's been fun watching all the different memes that have come out about 2020. One of my favorites is a young boy looking puzzled, and, and he is saying, what if 2020 is just a trailer for 2021? And another one that says, I'm not buying a 2021 planner until I see the trailer. Well, they may be amusing, but I think there is a touch of truth that is thrown into those memes. And I think everyone would agree that 2020, um, with, with 2020 ending, we are all ready for a return to some form of normalcy. And whether you're a parent, whether you're a student, whether you're an employer, whether you're a, a waitress or a or a grandparent, whether you're a nurse, whether, whether you're a child. Life as we know it since, since March for us, February for others, last year has been turned upside down by the COVID-19 pandemic. And I've heard people say, we just need 2020 to be over with. And I've also nodded in agreement. And I think there is comfort in thinking that if we simply endure through the bad times, especially through the end of 2020, then the suffering of the season will come to an end. Um, Surely 2020 won't be like, surely 2021 won't be like 2020. But what if it is? (laughs) I'm sorry to, to bring that gloom to you, but what if 2020 is not a happy new year? What if 2020 is just a trailer for 2021? As 2020 has shown us, the future is unknown to us. 2020 has taught us that hoping in tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year certainly isn't a way of coping with hard times. 2020 has shown us that change circumstances don't necessarily deliver the peace and the joy that we would like or that we expect So where is your hope directed towards this year, 2021? Where do you find your joy, your peace, and satisfaction from? Well, our passage this morning is about light coming into and triumphing over darkness. If you are searching for good news, if you're looking for joy, if you're wondering where hope can be found and the promise of a better day tomorrow... The only everlasting, soul-satisfying hope that we can turn to is found in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we are going to study together John chapter 1. If you turn with me, we're going to read from verse 10 to verse 18. John chapter 1, verse 10 to verse 18. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own 
and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law has given, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Well, pray with me as we study God's word together. Father, we do ask that you would please open our ears and open our hearts to the truth of your word this morning. We pray, Father, that your word would help us to see the truth that you want us to see. We pray your spirit would open our uh, understanding and help us to find the, the hope that we are looking for. Lord, this is a new year and many people are looking for answers. We pray that your, that your spirit would guide us into the scriptures to find the answers that we need. I pray, Lord, that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth will be pleasing in your sight this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I wonder if you like sunrises. Do you like sunrises? Have you ever woken up early in the morning to see the sunrise? Well, those people who do early rises, who see the, the rising of the sun, see much beauty as, as the darkness turns into light. And sunrises are really a glorious reminder that God has given us a new day to begin life. And sunrises speak to us about a new beginning with potential, with possibility, and a positive future. We can never undo the, the previous day's actions and happenings. Very similar to our live streaming on Friday mornings, we don't have the opportunity to have two, three, four, five, or a dozen retakes in order to get it right. We must move on, and we must move on into a new day, knowing that yesterday's mistakes and yesterday's blunders and sins actually took place, and we need to deal with that. But a sunrise, nonetheless, is a reminder to us that we can begin each day new with our sins forgiven and with joy and hope in the Lord. The sunrise reminds us that it is indeed a new day to begin life, a new day to begin again, and a new day to begin afresh. A sunrise reminds us that while we have breath, God delights to turn darkness into light. In the Bible, here that we are studying this morning, in the passage that we are going to look at in the Gospel of John, we are reminded about this light that overcomes darkness. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to this earth and His coming was all about light coming into and triumphing over darkness. Earlier on in our passage, which we read this morning in chapter 1, verse 5, the Scriptures tell us, the light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus' coming was all about driving out this darkness, driving out fear. And sunrises in many ways are like New Year's Day, a chance to begin afresh, a chance to begin again, a chance to have this hope that we needed in the last year. As Jesus continues his, uh, sorry, as John, the author of this gospel, as he continues um, really an introduction to this gospel in a single sentence that we are going to look at this morning, he gives us three descriptions of Jesus and how he brings hope to us. And just from this single verse, I get my three points from, and the first point this morning is he came from the Father. He came from the Father. Jesus Christ came from the Father. We see this in verse 14. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So is this a world, is this world that we're living in a place that is essentially chaotic, or is this a place that is under control? Well, if you've been awake this year or not living in a cave last year, I'm sure you would understand that what I'm saying. We are not in control. Um, this year has shown us that as a human race, we, we certainly don't have things under control. And if blind chemical processes are all that there is, if there's nothing behind what we can see, then then chaos is really all that we can expect. But if there is a divine being who made everything, then there is someone who is bigger than this life and someone able to direct this world. And the scriptures this morning tell us that there is indeed such a God. It tells us, the scriptures tell us, that the God at the heart of the universe is a God of relationship. Father, Son, and Spirit. And the fact that the one and only Son came from heaven to earth, from a throne room to a shack, means that He has experienced what we've experienced. He's experienced tiredness. He's experienced worry. He's experienced betrayal. He has experienced uncertainty. He has experienced hunger and pain. And the fact that Christ came to this earth shows us all that the God of this universe is relational. He is not aloof from us, sitting on His throne, throwing thunderbolts of lightning towards earth. He is relational, and He cares for us, and the whole creation is under His sovereign control. And God calls us to respond to this truth with faith. We are to believe that Jesus is indeed God. That He was sent by God to save us from our sins as we have been learning this past Christmas season. And that salvation is found in no one else except Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, sadly, the people to whom Jesus came, the Jews first, for the most part, they, they rejected Jesus. 
And they refused to believe that he was this light who would overcome the darkness. They refused to believe that he was God in human form who came to take away their sin. And because they rejected him, they did not enjoy salvation. But as John so marvelously declares, and as he tells us in our passage this morning in verse 12 and verse 13, he tells us to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So even though we are not children of God by nature, we become his sons and daughters when we are united by faith to Jesus Christ. And as children adopted into God's family, we enjoy the immense privilege of calling God our Father, Abba Father. And the one who has been from eternity past and will continue into eternity future. The one who never changes. The one who has every day of human history written in a book. The one who promises to walk with us in loss who has taken our place in suffering and who is preparing a place for us, a glorious home in heaven. This sovereign God, we have the privilege of calling Father. And that is good news. That is good news. We are now loved by the divine being who is in control of this universe. And not every person, unfortunately, has this privilege. Not every person on this earth or who has ever lived before has the right to be a child of God, who has the right to be an heir of all of His promises simply by being born. Just because you're born doesn't make you a child of God. Just like as if a, a mouse was having um, baby mice. I'm not sure what they're called. <laughs> Baby mice in a garage doesn't make those baby mice cars. They're still mice. Just because we're born into a Christian family doesn't make us Christian. Doesn't give us the right to be an heir of His promises. We have to put our faith in the truth of revealed Scripture. That Jesus is the Son of God. That He is the sovereign ruler of this universe. And we have to respond to Him in faith and repentance. But to them who do respond, to become the children of God, they must be born again. Only those who are born anew spiritually and trust in Christ have the right to become children of God. To all who receive Him and all who believe in His name, He gives the right to become children of God. So my question this morning to you, maybe you're watching for the first time. Maybe you've been watching for this whole year so far, last year so far. Have you been born again? If the Lord was to return tomorrow, if the Lord was to return today, can you claim to be the child of God who has been adopted by God, who has this privilege, who is not born of 
blood, nor of the will of flesh, but of God. Have you been born again? Well, that leads to my second point this morning. And my second point is that he is full of grace. He came from the Father, but he is also full of grace. As we see in verse 14, tell us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You know, our speech this year or last year in 2020 has been full of um, different phrases which we never used before. I didn't know about social distancing until last year. I didn't know about the word COVID-19 until last year. I didn't hear about track and tracing. I didn't really talk a lot about vaccinations. But our vocabulary has, has changed a lot since the COVID-19 pandemic. But what if 2021 could be shaped by a very different phrase that we use in our day-to-day -day, um, communication? What if we were to use the word grace more often? What if we were to use the phrase overwhelming, unconditional kindness? That is, in fact, what the word grace means. Overwhelming, unconditional kindness. And grace is an essential part of God's character. Grace is closely related to God's love, but God's benevolence, God's mercy. Grace can be variously defined as God's favor toward those who are unworthy or God's benevolence on the undeserving, you and I. In His grace, God is willing to forgive. In His grace, God is willing to bless and bless us abundantly in spite of the fact that, that we don't deserve to be treated so well or, or dealt with so graciously, generously. And the Gospel of John shows us that that God is full of grace. And to get a better understanding of the force of John's argument here, let's read verse 14 and then 16 and 17 together. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have all received Grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is indeed full of grace. And John says that from that fullness, we, um, obviously John, his original um, readers, and the rest of us who have trusted in Christ, we have received this grace and more grace. Grace upon grace. One characteristic of any interaction with, with Jesus is grace upon grace. And Christians receive this grace, and then they receive more grace. It's unlimited. Grace, really, that served on top of grace. Grace, and then in place of that, more grace. And the point is that Christ is full of grace. And those who know Him... They get showered abundantly with this grace. Because he's a God who's full of kindness. Because he's 
full of grace. God is preparing to remake this world into one without sickness, one without pain, one without grief, or one without death. And we spoke a lot about that last week when we looked at Romans 8, and we saw how the world is groaning. We are looking forward to that day when the Lord will return. But while the world is under this curse of sin, we need to remember that the Lord is still full of grace, and that the Lord is working towards this day when the world will be without sickness, when the world will be without pain and grief. There will be no more fear. There will just be joy. There will be peace. It's the life we're all looking for, yeah. and yet feel very far from it right now, isn't it? And that's what God is directing the world towards. Even when, from our limited human perspective, the route seems very strange, very difficult for us. And while we're going through this valley, remember, the Lord can see the hilltops. Even though we may not, He's working everything according to His plan. Because He's full of kindness. God the Son was born to do everything necessary to invite us into that glorious future, into that world, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, in dying and rising back to life, Jesus offers a way through death and out the other side into this wonderful, glorious, eternal life. But we need to respond. His offer is unconditional, in the sense that we don't have to earn it, or we don't have to do certain things or meet certain conditions in order for Him to offer us His grace. It is unconditional in that part. But we do need to respond. We need to choose to repent of our sins and put our faith in the one who is sovereign ruler of this universe. I've spoken to you before, I've shared the story before of John Newton. Maybe you haven't heard of him. John Newton was a, was, a, was a white man who sold slaves. He treated black people very badly. But he received Christ's forgiveness. And he was moved by grace to, to be a pastor of a church who, who labored intensively to oppose the slave trade. He also wrote a song that I think you may be familiar with. Have you heard the song, Amazing Grace? Think of those words for a moment. But as John Newton was on his deathbed at the age of 82 years old, this godly man said these famous words. He says, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. Do you know that? Do you know that Christ is full of grace? Have you experienced this in your own life? You know, the truth is, things may not get better in 2021. In our lifetime, they may never get back to normal. But hoping in tomorrow or, or next week or, or next month or, or next year, certainly isn't 
um, the best way to cope with, with difficult things. When life gets tough, we are people who look for hope and we, we hope for change circumstances. But what we need to do is put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who is the great Savior, the one who showers grace upon grace, the one who will not allow darkness to overcome the light, the one who has conquered, the one who is victorious. He is the one we need to put our faith in. And Scripture reminds us about this. And even our personal experiences um, talk to us about this. Our changed circumstances do not give us peace. They don't deliver the joy that we hope for. And as 2021 begins, many of us believe that if only our, our lives return to pre-pandemic health or, or pre-pandemic um, finances and pre-pandemic income or, or pre-pandemic security and, and social commitments, then, then our lives will be happy again. But yet we forget that even in those normal circumstances, we forget we forget about 2017 or the beginning of 2018, even when things were normal. We still struggled with contentment, didn't we? We still struggled with being thankful and grateful for God's grace. And our problem is, is not the pandemic. Our problem is our forgetfulness. That no circumstances of life will ever fully satisfy us. Hoping in 2021 as a remedy for all of the losses and all of the disappointments of 2020 is like trying to, to fill a bucket full of holes with, with water. There are no guarantees that our present sufferings, either our health or our finances or our relationships or our jobs, will be resolved this year in 2021. No guarantee. There are no guarantees that even a, a vaccine will accomplish this. Vacations may still be delayed. Vacations may still be canceled. Loved ones may still be hospitalized. And loved ones may even still pass away. These are the hard realities of, of living on this earth. Living in a corrupt world that has been cursed by sin. And these are the realities that we live with while we wait for Christ to return. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not on this world. Our hope is not in a vaccine, folks. Our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. And the good news is we don't need to hope in the things of this world to bring us peace and joy. Our hope needs to be in Christ alone. The Bible tells you that one day things will be better than they ever have been. And you are invited to enjoy that future forever by the God whose desire is to shower you with overwhelming grace, with overwhelming unconditional kindness. And my prayer for all of us this year that we, as a church, who have come to faith in 
Jesus Christ, who have been gripped by God's grace, will, will look forward to 2021 with, with hope. But our hope in the Savior, that even if nothing changes, the Lord would return. That is where our hope needs to be. My prayer is that we would have learned from 2020 that no circumstances of life will ever fully satisfy us. That we would find our satisfaction in Christ alone. And that we would display more and more of His grace to others. Has God's grace really gripped you? Has God's grace really satisfied your, your heart and your soul? And evidence that we really understand God's grace will be seen in our desire and our ability to show God's grace to others. Is this true of you? My third point this morning is that He is full of grace. He came from the Father. He is full of grace. Sorry, a third point. He is full of truth. He is full of truth. You know, it's hard to find your way in the dark, isn't it? I'm sure if you've been in the desert um, late at night with all the lights away from the city and you don't have a torch with you, it's difficult to see or even in your, in your house. But 2020 in some ways has felt as if the journey of our lives has been turned off. Um, the lights have been turned off. Or we've been on a, on a motorway, on a highway, traveling, and then all the lights have been turned off. And now we have to travel to some unfamiliar country lane um, that, that we don't know, and we don't know how to navigate, and we don't have a, a, any pin location, or we don't have a satellite navigation system. And we've been confronted this last year with a scary reality that we only really have one life to live. And that it's often unclear how to live that life or how to live that best life and how to make the best decisions for our lives. But Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is not just a truth. The scriptures tell us he is the truth. God is the standard. He is the truth. John 17 verse 17 tells us his word is truth. And what he communicates to us is, is our definition of truth. It's our standard of truth. Romans chapter 2 verse 15 says truth is written in our hearts. That's why all people have a conscience. That's why all people experience guilt and, and shame when they do bad things. Because deep down inside, they know they have violated God's standard. God's truth has been written on all of our hearts. But the Bible also tells us, in contradiction to God who is truth, that Satan is the father of all lies. And using the fallen nature of humanity, 
he seeks to convince the world that truth is flexible, that, that truth is open to our definition, that truth is subjective, that truth is, is what the masses tell us it needs to be, that it's popularity-driven and is impossible to fully understand. That is what the father of lies wants us to think. After this week, we are going to be starting a sermon series in the book of Judges. Here's my two-minute plug, okay? Please join us for that. But in this series, we will see that this was a very dark period for the people of Israel. And the scriptures tell us why. Because everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. That's exactly what Satan wants us to think. That truth is not important. Let us just live the way we want to live. Truth is flexible. We can bend it according to our wishes and our whims. Enter Jesus. The Bible tells us that he is full of truth. A man who claimed to be the God who directs the future, who understands the past and knows us better than we do know ourselves. His truth is sometimes unsettling because it doesn't always line up with, with our views. But his truth is always liberating because he offers us the insight and the guidance that we need. He gives us the light that we need in the darkness. We don't have to drive on that motorway without light. We don't have to be out in the wilderness without light. Jesus is the light. He is the truth. And he knows the way that we need to take. And he knows the decisions that we need to make for our good and for his glory. Here's the Bible's claim that Jesus brings hope. The one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This is the person who is in control and who offers to guide us through this life and gives us a perfect future beyond this life. Jesus is the light that will overcome even the deepest darkness. So this new year, above all others, we are in need of hope. Let me share a story with you that really gripped my heart this week. This lady was 15, and he was 17 when they met. And all through high school, they dated. And after high school, it was not a surprise to anyone that they ended up getting married. But four years later, she was standing in her kitchen with a pile of dirty dishes in the sink and two children at her, her feet and a pile of dirty diapers in the corner. And tears were streaming down her face. And looking back, she could never be quite sure why she made the decision to get married so early, but she did. And she took off her apron, and she walked out of the house. And she called that night, and her young husband answered the phone. And he was understandably quite worried and also quite angry. Where are you? He, he asked her. And his concern and his anger fighting for control over his voice. And how are the children, she asked. 
ignoring the question. Well, if you mean they have been fed, they are. I've also put them to bed. But of course, they, they are wondering, just as I am, where are you? And, and what are you doing? And she hung up the phone that night. But it wasn't the last of the phone calls. She called almost every week for the next three months. Her husband, knowing that something was seriously wrong, began in those phone calls to plead with her to come home. And he would tell her that the children were with the grandparents during the day being looked after, and they were well cared for. And he would tell her that he loved her. He would assure her of his love for her. He would tell her how much they all missed her. And then he would try to find out where she was. But every time that question came up, she would put the phone down. And finally, the young, the, the young husband, he couldn't stand it any longer. And he hired a, a private investigator to find out where his wife was. And the detective, after a while, located the place where his wife was staying and reported that the runaway wife was in a third-rate hotel in Iowa somewhere. And the young man borrowed the money from his in-laws and bought a plane ticket and flew there to find his wife. And after taking a cab from the airport to the hotel, he climbed the stairs to his wife's room on the, on the third floor. And if you had been there, you would have seen the doubt in his eyes and you would have noticed the perspiration on his forehead and his hands trembled as he as he knocked on the door and when his wife opened the door he forgot his prepared speech and he said we love you so much won't you please come home and then she fell apart in his arms and they went home together that day but one evening some weeks later the children were in bed and he and his wife were sitting in the living room before the fire. And he finally got up enough courage to, to ask her the question that had been haunting him for so many months. And he asked her, why wouldn't you come home? Why when I told you over and over again that I, that I loved you and that I missed you, why didn't you come home? Because, she said, with profound simplicity... Before those were only words. But then you came. But then you came. Jesus came, folks. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He personally came to us, to this earth, offering us grace and truth. He didn't stand off at a distance and watch us destroy ourselves. He personally reached out to all of us. And he's still reaching out to you today. But will you respond? Will you respond to the one who is full of grace and full of truth? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 tells us, Because the word became flesh, we have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses. One who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did 
not sin. Yet he is without sin. And it's this Savior, folks, who offers you hope for 2021. Jesus' coming was all about bringing hope to this world. Jesus' coming was all about driving out the darkness. And Jesus' coming to this earth is all about hope driving out fear. John chapter 1 verse 5 tells us very clearly, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 2020 has been an extraordinary year, hasn't it? Extraordinary difficult, extraordinary sad, extraordinary disappointing. But our biggest mistake that we could make in the beginning of 2021 is to look to this world for our joy and for our hope and for our satisfaction. And as we anticipate what 2021 may hold us, let us look to Christ. Nothing wrong with praying to the Lord for recovered jobs. Nothing wrong with praying for our finances. Nothing wrong for praying for our restored relationships and, and freedoms that we once enjoyed. But if we do so without trusting the Lord to be our sufficiency, and if we do so without trusting the Lord for our every need, then we will continue to live with unfulfilled Joy and purpose, folks. And whatever this year holds, we need to find our hope and our trust and our satisfaction and our rest in Jesus Christ alone. And may the scriptures remind you that while we have breath, God delights to turn darkness into light. He knows our particular needs, and He is bent on showing goodness and mercy towards us. That's the character of the God of this universe that we serve, folks. And may today, the 1st of January, be like that sunrise, a reminder to us that we can begin each new day with hope if we trust the one who has overcome the darkness. Let's ask the Lord to improve the circumstances of our lives in 21. Oh Lord, please make it so. But let's ask from our hearts that are satisfied, that are at rest in Jehovah God. He has provided sufficient grace for us each day of 2020, and He promises to do so in 2021. Come to the light of a new year. If you do not know this, God of grace, this God who came from the Father, this God who is full of truth. If you do not know Him, respond to Him this year. This morning, the 1st of January, 2021, may that be the day of your salvation. May that be the day that you were born again. And if you are a believer this morning, watching, may God grant us a new day to begin Life in His Word, life in His light, and life in renewed faith for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Pray with me this morning. 
Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that has reminded us this morning of the eternal hope that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord, that our lives are not in vain, that the sufferings that we have experienced this last year are not wasted, that you are indeed still in control of this universe, and that you are working all things for your glory and for our joy. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. May it continue to guide us this year. May it continue to direct us more and more to the image of your glorious Son, the one who is truth, the one who is grace, the one who has been sent by the Father. And Lord, we ask today that you would save the lost who are listening and watching who have heard the gospel for the first time, who may have never put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to die for them and was resurrected for their sins to prove that He is the God of this universe. Please, Lord, save them today. May they respond in faith and repentance. And Lord, may our faith this week, this year, this next month, be Christ-centered in every way. Restore to us, Lord, the joy of our salvation. And if you choose not to restore to us our circumstances that we enjoyed in the beginning of last year, may we be satisfied, Lord, in you, the God who loves us, the God who cares for us, the God who tells us in his word that nothing will ever separate us from his love. May we be satisfied. And may we declare your goodness to others this year. We ask this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.